Hey, it's Leah, and welcome to the Homeschooling for the Rest of Us podcast. Well, I am so excited about today's guest on our podcast because Lindsay and I have a history together. We have actually known each other since junior high. That is where we met. And I have gotten to see her whole life journey of um, going from you know middle school to an athlete to really becoming passionate about nutrition and healing our bodies. And so I'm really excited for you guys to hear from Lindsay today. So um, Lindsay Young, let me give you some of her, her accolades. Um, and I also want to point this out too, like, and Lindsay, I'll let you speak to this in a second, but when we're online, we are bombarded by quote unquote health coaches. And I always get very nervous about the word coach because in today's world, you legally can slap coach on your name and you're all of a sudden a professional. And so I think it's really important when you hire someone or who you're listening to really kind of background check them. Like what is their experience? Um, you know, and so I trust Lindsay. Lindsay has worked with me before and I trust Lindsay. She has studied at the Institute of Transformational Nutrition. She also has her degree in athletic training, sports medicine. So she's one of those people that really understands how our body works. And so I just want to encourage you. There's so much stuff being thrown at us online. And so do your research and make sure that who you're taking advice from is someone that you can vet. And so I am personally publicly going to vet Lindsay. She knows her stuff. And so Lindsay, my friend, Lindsay Young, and she's at, you can find her at Lindsay Lives Well on Instagram, right? Um, and also on Facebook. And so I want to welcome Lindsay. So Lindsay, before we get started, you are also a homeschool mama. So can you just share with us just quickly your homeschool journey and what led y'all to where you're at today? Yeah. So the shortened version of the story is that my kids were in public school up until COVID. So I'm kind of a COVID homeschool mom, though I will say in hindsight, the Lord had been working on my heart for years leading up to that point. And my kids came home spring break of 2019, I guess it would have been or 2020 that year. And they just never went back. And that summer, I did a bunch of research, read a bunch of books. The Lord was just doing a number on my heart and we jumped into homeschooling that next year. So we are, I guess, halfway through our third year of homeschooling and my kids are 15. So I have a freshman in high school and I have a fifth grader who's 10 and I have a second grader who just turned eight. Fun stuff, full life, very full. Yeah. Well, Lindsay and I wanted to talk about nutrition and our kids today. And it was funny because as I was writing my questions down in my notes, I messaged Lindsay and I'm like, we're going to have to do two episodes because I have questions about me as a mom. Um, but we are going to focus today on nutrition and our kids. And so um, the first thing that I want to touch on, Lindsay, like in your opinion, how do we get here? And when I say when we get here, I'm looking at you know, charts that I see online, ob- obesity is on the rise. Um, behavioral issues are on the rise. And I also think about, you know, when you and I were growing up, I know you can relate to this, but being a 90s kid, everything was processed foods. Like, unless your mom was a certified hippie, <laughs> we're eating, you know, all the boxed stuff, all the, I mean, the hostess cupcakes, all the things that those little Debbie snacks, like everything. And so, 
Um, tell me a little bit about like, just why you feel like there's kind of health issues now. And we see all the allergies now too. Like I think about that, like we didn't have all that back in the eighties or nineties. So kind of give me your, your opinion on all that before we get started. Well, and it's interesting. I kind of laughed when I got your message because so often moms will come to me and want to talk about their kids' nutrition. And one of the first things I say is, you know, what's going on with you and your nutrition? Because while I think it's, it's admirable and ambitious, and I love that we all want to do better for our kids than we're necessarily doing for ourselves. We don't always have the bandwidth or the capacity. Like it can be hard. I don't want to say hard. It's work to change habits that your kids have, right? Just like any habit, whether it's behavioral or nutritional. And when we are feeling our best and we're, you know, when we are energetic, when we're feeling good about the habits we have in place, then we are in such a better place mentally to be encouraging those changes in our kids and to be setting that example. Um, So, but I mean, we all love our kids so much and we want, like, we want the best for them. We will all sacrifice anything for them. So that's often where our first focus goes is I want to take care of my kids. Um, but to answer your question about how we got here, I think that there's, I don't think that there's really a short answer to that. I think it's an accumulation of the way that our culture has shifted to being a lot more sedentary, to being you know, the things that are more acceptable, you know, hanging out and playing video games, kids spending all day at school, sitting in, you know, in chairs at desks. I just think our society is geared to be a lot more sedentary. And then I also think that we are exposed to so many more toxins in all different areas. And that impacts everyone differently, right? For some kids, two kids may grow up in the same home and their kids may use the same products on them. But for one kid, that toxic load is like just enough to tip them over into having something like eczema or, you know, kids are breathing the same type of air inside of their home. But for one of them, that might be just toxic enough to, you know, give them allergies or respiratory problems like asthma. So I really think it's a combination of just the toxic load between the pesticides on the food that we eat and the vaccines and the medications and, you know, the chemicals and personal care products. And I don't mean that to be discouraging. I think it can be empowering to know, okay, there are, there are going to be things that are outside of our control and we're just going to do the best we can with that. But there are some things that are within our control. So I do think it's kind of accumulation of what we just deem acceptable as a culture and a lot of the eating habits we've gotten into. Um, when you think back to like probably the way our grandparents ate, they didn't have a pantry full of processed foods that you know, their kids and as adults that we could just walk by and graze all day long. So I think we've set ourselves up into some of these patterns and habits with our eating and with our movement. And all of that has kind of combined both in an obesity epidemic, and then also just in all these other health problems that we're seeing with our kids. I totally agree with that. And even just like, when you think about our grandparents and our grandparents were age, like things were not accessible. So you had to go walk to go somewhere or you rode your bike. And even now, you know, think about you and I, we would tell our parents, we'll be home before it gets dark. And we would be out playing all day. And now I think because we're so connected and we're so fearful, we don't let our kids go play out all day. Um, And so there is a difference in their activity level for sure. The other thing I wanted to point out, Lindsay, as you were talking, is it's important for us to be aware and not be naive to the fact that I mean, I love America. Y'all know that I love America. My kids are named after presidents. 
but we are the worst at our nutritional standards. Um, if you look up like European standard standards, there are dyes, there are certain foods that are not allowed in their products, in their food. Um, if you look at like cereal boxes, you've probably seen them floating around where we'll say like in the UK, what's in their ingredients versus what's in the American ingredients. It's shocking what we have allowed in our country into our food. And so I think, um, really educating yourself. You know, I think it would be really easy to look at Lindsay and say, well, this is her career and this is her, you know, she has her degree in this, but, um, we can all take time to start educating ourselves on certain dyes, certain, um, seed oils is another thing that's packed into our food. That's really, you know, causing health problems and really learning about those things. Um, and then if you are active politically, you know, I've even started writing to um, Texas representatives about, you know, hey, please start making moves to start changing our food because we are, I mean, we're supposed to be the leader <laughs> of the world. And so there's no reason why we can't make these shifts. Um, so I completely agree with you completely. So, um, you know, for the moms, Lindsay, someone, let's say that maybe they they feel like they eat healthy, they're having vegetables in their meals what are things that maybe people aren't thinking about that are nutritional changes that they could make? Like just simple ones. Yeah. So one of the first things that I look at, you know, this from our relationship in the past is I look at everything through the lens of kind of metabolic health. Like what are we doing to balance blood sugar? Because that underlies so many of the health issues that we see. So So, can I I pause you really quick? Because can you like dissect, can you give us like explain it like we're five, uh, of like, of how blood sugar, like what that looks like and how it's affecting us. Cause that was very eye opening to me when you had explained that to me. Yes. Okay. So meta, what the kind of, you hear that term perhaps metabolic health or blood sugar or blood glucose. And what that has to do with is the way that our body is metabolizing carbohydrates and all of the food that we eat and the way that that's turning into energy. So kind of an analogy that I like to use is Let's imagine that you wake up in the morning and eat a donut for breakfast. So you eat that donut and we all know that donuts have a lot of sugar, right? A lot of simple carbohydrates that digest very quickly. So, and I should back up one step further and say, all food is made up of a combination of three macronutrients, fats, protein, and carbs. So let's say you take that bite of a donut those carbohydrates break down into sugar into your bloodstream really quickly. Your pancreas, its job is to secrete insulin and insulin is like a ferry boat. So insulin is going to go out into your bloodstream. It's going to spot all of those little donut emojis that are now floating in your bloodstream and it's going to scoop them up. And then it turns its attention to what do we do with all of this sugar that's now in our bloodstream? So we have places in our body where we can hold sugar. We can hold sugar in our muscles. We can hold some sugar in our brain, in our red blood cells, in our liver. So that ferry boat then takes those little donut emojis and puts them in the places where your body can store them. If those storage places are full, let's say the night before you had pasta for dinner and all of those places, those storage places may still be full from the night before. So then we wind up with excess sugar in our bloodstream and that's going to lead to symptoms like cravings, energy crashes and inflammation in the body, which again, like we know that inflammation is the root cause of all of these health problems that we're seeing um, and all of these diseases, you know, heart disease and cancer and dementia and all of these other health problems that are like the norm these days. So to kind of 
circle back to what that means with blood sugar and metabolic health. We want to be in a place throughout the day where like, we want to have even energy levels, right? We want to be able to think clearly. And if our blood sugar is constantly going up and then crashing down throughout the day, we're not going to be able to pay attention. We're not going to have good energy. We're not going, we're going to be craving more carbohydrates and sugar. So one of the, how do we look at that like practically and realistically in terms of food? And that's looking at every meal and making sure that our meals are all balanced, that we're not having meals that are, you know, all carbohydrates, which is the tendency, right? We're much more likely to have a meal that's like mostly made of, of carbohydrates than we are to like, perhaps just have a steak by itself or just have, you know, protein by itself. But that's one of the first places I start with families and with moms is just making sure that when we look that we're prioritizing meals over snacks and grazing, and that we're making sure that when we look at a meal, we can say, okay, yes, there is a form of protein on that plate. There is something in that meal that has fiber because we're not going to be afraid of carbohydrates, but we want to make sure that those carbohydrates are not coming alone and that we're pairing them with foods that can slow down the absorption of that glucose. So let's say you are going to go out and have donuts for breakfast. If you were to have some chicken sausage before you went out and had that donut, having that protein and some healthy fats in your stomach before the donut hits is going to slow down the absorption of that glucose into your bloodstream. Okay. I loved that. I love the donut emojis. <laughs> I think donut emojis all the time. Um, okay. So I'm thinking about that and I'm thinking even like that makes sense with behavior issues. Like when we start with homeschool and if my daughter has like lucky charms, you know, loaded with sugar. And if I'm starting her day with that, then that's going to lead to crashing. And especially on a little body. I mean, yeah. I weigh more than her, so it's probably not going to have that much of a, an effect on, well, it will have an effect on me, but I can only imagine on a little person that's a lot going on. So I also think that's something interesting to look at. If you are a mom that's having some behavior issues I think often it's easy to be like, what's going on emotionally? What's, but I think we need to think about what's going on nutritionally. Like that should probably mm -hmm. be things that we asked. So yeah. Like and that's how we, I mean, we can set our kids up to then be in better control of their emotions. If we're setting them up with stable blood sugar, we went out to breakfast with some friends last week and, um, you know, like the, some of the kids had hot cocoa, like as their first thing. And we could just see, we we're like, this is not going to turn out well, because <laughs> you can see then they got like hyper and we're wanting to run around. And then after breakfast, like they just wanted to take a nap and crash versus, okay, well, let's have the hot chocolate. It, but if we can have some eggs and bacon first and maybe some fruit, like let's have that first so that then that sugar has a much lower impact on what's going to happen with your energy and your attention span following the meal. Okay. I love that. That's doable. And I love that you're not like hardcore, don't have the hot chocolate. Um, okay. So now I know when it comes to our family, so I've really tried to adopt just what you're saying, have very balanced look at the plate and also make sure that I'm having, um, you know, I guess better carbs like sweet potato or brown rice, things like that, which I learned from you. Um, but I feel like there's a lot of stuff thrown at us like keto, carnivore, intermittent fasting, so, so much noise. What is your personal opinion? Like when it comes to your family and maybe you already answered this. It sounds like you just have, it's very balanced. Like you're more of a macro approach to your family. Would you say that? Like what percentage of protein carbs, like, are you all consuming in a day? Yeah. So I think, you know, anytime I hear, and I don't want to say that they're all fads, right? Because some of these 
like diets or styles of eating or philosophies that we hear about can be very healing, or they can be the right thing for the right person at the right time. So I try to look at all of those things, like I try not to label them as good or bad or think about them as fads, but I just think of them as tools. And just like you probably have a lot of tools in your garage that you haven't touched in several years, right? Like that, there might be a tool one day that you might need. So it's like all those tools are out there. That doesn't mean that it's the right tool for me right now. And that doesn't mean I have to jump on every bandwagon or just because something worked for my sister or my neighbor or my best friend doesn't mean that it's the right tool for me right now. And I think that takes some of the pressure off of feeling like you have to do what's like what everyone else is doing or what everyone else is talking about or what you're seeing work for other people is, hey, that might be the the right tool for them right at at this time. So in our house, our, and you know, kind of what I teach my clients too, is that the first thing we're looking at is food quality. And that's because if you, you know, just take a macro approach, right? Like an apple is carbohydrates, but a Twinkie is also carbohydrates. So we're always looking through things first through just the lens of food quality and trying to keep it simple. Fruits, vegetables, whole grains, healthy fats, protein, that makes up the bulk of what we're shopping for, what we're putting in our refrigerator and in our pantry. And then from there, just making sure that with every meal, we can say, hey, there is a source of protein here, there's a source of healthy fats, and there's some type of carbohydrate that's gonna bring fiber to the table. So, you know, that the, the portion sizes are gonna look different, like, you know, kind of per kid and what their appetites are. Like my little guy, doesn't want a ton of protein in the morning. Do I try to get at least 10 to 15 grams in him? Yes, I'm not going to let him like just start his day with a banana and then take off. But I know he is a much heavier protein eater in the evening. So I'm not necessarily a stickler with like, you have to get this many grams, but we aren't like, we're making sure that that's part of every meal. And when they want to have, you know, something snacky, we're just making sure, okay, did you have something with protein before that? Like, okay, you want to have that, you know, bag of popcorn, that's fine. Can you go grab a beef stick and have that first? So they're getting some protein in and yeah, they're having, you know, a, a processed carb snack that wouldn't be my first choice, but I try to teach them really just this philosophy of like the food that we eat impacts the way that we feel. And how do you want to feel? Do you want to have energy for your baseball practice tonight? Do you want to get done with your schoolwork quickly and you're able to concentrate so you can go play with your friends? Well, the food that we eat matters. So let's make sure that we're making choices that are going to help create that environment that you want so that you feel your best. I love that. And you know, one of the things like my five-year-old is an extremely picky eater. And so as much as I would love to say that she would eat sausage before her oatmeal, it it doesn't happen. Um, But what I have done, which I feel is kind of better than nothing, is that I will mix protein powder into her oatmeal or collagen into her oatmeal, which has that protein in it. So I also think you can hack some things. So I think what she is saying is ideal. And my older kids will do that. But with your littles, you can sneak things in. You can finally chop up cooked spinach and sneak it into pudding. Like you would be amazed at what you can do. Um, mm-hmm. I've even turned things into purees. Like, like, like okra is a big one. I I hide okra in a lot of things. You can just puree it, and you can stick it in pasta sauce. You can. You'd be amazed what you can do with okra. So, you can hack. You can hack it. <laughs> 
For sure. Yeah. We do protein powder in a lot of baked goods because that's something that wouldn't necessarily have a lot of protein in it. But I mean, my kids start most days with like a protein muffin and they don't know, like I've put unflavored, you know, scoops of unflavored protein powder in there. It's something they can grab from the fridge and eat. But I, I know like, okay, there's healthy fats in there. There's protein. It's not just like a carbohydrate sugar bomb. Yeah, for sure. And I think there's like a transition period, Lindsay, too, where like we've we've been really strict with no sugar since probably the end of December. We cut out sugar, but I'm doing substitutes with like monk fruit. So I wouldn't say like we're going cold turkey, but my kids are adjusting to that where now they're they're liking the banana muffin made with with the monk fruit versus the sugar sugar loaded one before. So I think there's a time of adjustment. Like when they first tried it, they hated the taste of it, but then they adjusted. They just had to come off of that sugar. I mean, it's an addiction. It's a sugar addiction. And so coming off of that. So yeah. And our taste, our taste buds change too. And I think that the baby step approach works well. Like if you know that the, the cereal that they're eating has 12 grams of sugar, like maybe then you transition to one that has eight grams of sugar. You don't try to just like take the cereal away. You can kind of baby step them and that helps taste buds adjust too. Cause it is a drug. I mean, it is, it's a drug. Um, okay. So in homeschooling, like what are some strategies? Cause like when I, when I approach homeschooling, I always think about what are life skills that I didn't have time to learn as a young child, young adult, because I was slammed with a rigorous school schedule. So how can I change that for my children? And one of the things that was at the top of my list was nutrition. I felt like I entered the world as an adult, not knowing a thing other than the American standard diet, which is garbage. Um, <laughs> the government website is garbage on that. Um, so as a homeschooler, like, what would you suggest? Maybe Lindsay, we need you to write a curriculum. (laughs) There we go. I'm throwing that out there for you. But, um, how, how can we teach our kids these so that as they go into adulthood, this is automatic for them? Yeah. And I wish, I mean, I came out of high school. I literally did not know that soup was something people made at home. Like I thought soup only came from a can. I remember in high school, I had a friend who was sick and I brought her a can of soup. She was like, I thought you were going to make me soup. I was like, what? People make soup? So I think that, you know, of course, we want to be having conversations with our kids at home about, you know, if we eat this, it gives us better energy. But they, like, more is caught than taught. And I think when they are just being able to experience the, I don't want to say the labors, but the labors of what it's like to cook for a family and the cleanup that's involved and the actual kitchen skills. Because I didn't know any of that until I was out of college. And then it felt like a lot of work then to be, you know, in your 20s and learning a career and then also having to learn how to cook. So I feel like that's such a gift to give your kids just already an understanding that food doesn't come from DoorDash, that there's labor involved with it. And okay, if you want to make a healthy breakfast, there's going to be time involved. You know, it's not just the microwave, right? There's some time involved in getting the ingredients out and prepping your pan and there's some chopping and then we cook and then there's the cleanup also. And, you know, what can we do to, okay, so this was great. And you want to have it again for lunch tomorrow. What if we double what you're making right now? And then we can put that in the fridge. So then tomorrow's lunch is really easy because you can just pull it out. So I think just getting your kids involved as much as possible in the parts of the process that they like and that they're interested in, which is going to vary, of course, according to their age. Um, I invite my kids into the meal planning process, like, hey, what types of foods do you want to eat this week? And they're always so much more likely to, you know, to be excited about 
what we're having. And, you know, if, if I'm taking their likes into consideration, like my little guy does not like broccoli. So if I can invite him to choose a different vegetable, he's way more excited when that appears on the table because he's the one that chose it. So we have, you know, a bunch of cookbooks or we'll go to the library and look at cookbooks and I'll let the kids look through and plan the recipes and help make the shopping list. And I know we don't all love, you know, sometimes as moms, like going to the grocery store without your kids is kind of a nice break, but you know, the more that they're involved in that process, like they're coming with you, they're seeing, okay, this is the difference in price. And we're getting green beans instead of asparagus because asparagus is twice the cost per pound right now. Um, so I just try to invite them as much as possible into all of those different processes. And that seems to be working really well. I love that. And I would just add um, a couple of things to that. I think um, I really like how you said involving your kids. And this is one of those things that, I mean, I always want to encourage people to, to live their life the way they do it. But I really, I have to put my foot down when it comes to this, because we have to prioritize how, the way that we eat, because it literally is it's life and death. I mean, it's the choices that we're making today that our kids are making today. It impacts their health. And I mean, my husband has family members where they're fast food 24 seven and you can see it in their health and you can see the decline and they don't live long lives and they don't, you know, and so, you know, we would, we would die for our kids, we'd do anything for our kids. And I think so much, we get caught up in the busy culture and we don't make the time. And a couple of weeks ago, we had Holly on from the cooking family and she really inspired me because she was just talking about how each day cooking is really an event in their home. And, and I think a lot about like the Europeans and Europeans live a long time, like Italians live a long time. And I think one of the things that they do well is they garden their food and then dinner every night is a four hour event. And I know in America, maybe that's not realistic, but I do think we can do a better job of putting an emphasis, just like you said, meal planning together, cooking together, um, because this is one of the most important life skills. I mean, at the end of the day, you can make money, you can have a job, but your health is the thing that you 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 have to make that daily investment. And I don't I don't think you could give your kids a better gift than that. Um, yeah, I agree. We talked about that. Yeah. Um, so the other thing I wanted to say, I wanted to share with you, Lindsay. I had. Lindsay before we had got on the, on the podcast today, but I had kind of a personal aha a couple of months ago, um, throughout my whole journey. And I have, I have yo-yoed with my weight, having babies and cortisol issues and all the things, blood sugar issues. Um, but one thing that I think was sabotaging me is that I didn't want to be an all or nothing mom. That was my biggest fear. So like I grew up in a very toxic nineties diet culture family. My mom always had slim fast shakes. She was would always have me drink one because she didn't want me to be fat. And like it was the best intentions. Like she was doing the best that she could. But as an adult, clearly I can see how that that harmed me. And I struggle with body image because of the environment that I was raised in. And so, you know, when you parent, you get to do things different. And so I've always put my foot down and said, you know, we'll eat healthy. However, we're gonna have cake on our birthday, <laughs> you know, and I'm not gonna like make sugar a bad thing and it's not gonna be the enemy. But as I've gone on my own health journey, just realizing how that affects my body. So like, for example, if I'm eating really well and then I have a cookie, I'm down for the day. Like it just ruins me. And so I had to come to this happy medium where how could I change? How could I change that? How could I take that cookie and make it adaptable to my body and what my body needs? For me, that is using almond flour or coconut flour or 
um, using the monk fruit sweetener, sugar does not do well with my body. It just sends me into a state of inflammation. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're listening, there's a way to still have, you know, food is very celebratory in America. And I think that that's a good and bad thing, right? Like we associate food with holidays and birthdays. And when we celebrate, our default is to go out to eat or to do something like that. And so I do think that there's a way you can meet it in the middle where you're not, you know, putting all that sugar into your body, but you can still have that chocolate chip cookie, but you've just modified it. And there comes a point where your body will actually like crave that and you'll be adverse. Like now, if I have like a store-bought cookie, it's just, I want to throw up. Like it just doesn't taste good to me. It doesn't, you know, whereas a couple years ago, I would eat a whole box of them if you put it in front of me. Um, so I just want to encourage you that it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And the more you research and see what your taste buds like and what your kids like. The other thing with my kids, Lindsay, um, we've really put a focus on gut health this year. Um, you know, I think our immune system kind of took a shot. I think a lot of you can relate to this when we had kind of all been shut down for a little while that really took a shot on everyone's immune system. And so this last year I've really focused on that. And so we've started our, our kombucha journey. And when my kids first tried it, they hated it. So I just incentivized, incentivized them. So we have a chart and if they each drink their kombucha every day for a month, they get five bucks and I'm willing to pay for it. It's cheaper than a probiotic. bribery. Um, but I think it's things that you can do because I know within a matter of time, like I have friends whose kids crave kombucha, like they love the taste of it. They just need to get used to it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'll tell them, you know, I know you don't like this. We can keep adjusting flavors and playing with it, but I, we need to heal our guts and explain to them why it's important. Um, so I think explaining them to, to explaining to them also is another key thing. Don't just shove food in front of their face. Just explain to them, Hey, we're going to have this protein first because of X, Y, Z. And, you know, as you're learning, explaining to them, do you have anything you want to add to that, Lindsay? Yeah. Um, I mean, what you were saying before about just the, the mindset around kind of the diet mentality and the example that we're setting from for our kids, I can totally relate to that. My mom was in Weight Watchers from like my earliest memory. I remember constantly growing up thinking that I needed to be on a diet Um, and so I do love that we have the opportunity to do things differently now. And I, I look at not just the actual action, like the actual meal that's being eaten or not eaten or the treat that's being eaten or passed on and really try to focus on the mindset around it. And what are the conversations that we're having with our kids? Cause I don't ever remember having a conversation in my home about energy or about health. It was always about weight. And so we like, we never talk about weight in our house. It is all about energy and brain health and focus. And, you know, like we, um, I went out to brunch a couple weeks ago with girlfriends and they had a really fun, like drink menu for brunch. And I, I'm fine with that. You know, it's not, alcohol is not good or bad. It just is what it is. And as we were chatting about it, I was like, oh, you know what? day drinking makes me really sleepy and I have a big day. And it wasn't even like, nobody looked at me sideways. It wasn't this like, no, you're going out to brunch with the girls. You have to drink. That made sense to everyone. Like, oh gosh, yeah, you don't want to crash later. And so I think when we are having those conversations with our kids that you might go to the birthday party and pass on the cake and it has nothing to do with because you're watching your waistline. It could just be, you're like, gosh, two o'clock on a Sunday. Like I'm going to feel terrible if I have a piece of cake right now. 
just being able to have those conversations with your kids or, you know what, I'm full. Like, I, I think that we often in our culture, we eat because of obligation, because you show up to the event and someone hands you a plate and that's what you do. And when I've just started saying like, oh, no, thank you. I'm not hungry right now. It's funny how like people kind of, they're like, oh, like you're eating, you're not eating because you're not hungry. Like, oh, that makes sense. Like nobody pushes food on you if you just say you're not hungry, but we do so many things out of obligation. So I love, love, love the idea of making those healthy swaps and figuring out how you can take your favorite treats and make healthier versions of them and create that sense of balance where you're not having to say no to things. And it's fun to like get creative and see how you can healthify certain things. But it's also okay to have the conversations with, you know, with your kids just Like I want to eat in a way that gives me really good energy. And sometimes that means going out for ice cream as a family and I'm all in. And sometimes I'll take them out for ice cream and just not have it because I'm full from dinner and that's also okay. Yeah, I will say that was probably one of my key takeaways when I worked with you was learning mindfulness. I think you were really the first person that introduced me to that thought of of mindfulness while eating. I remember you would have me put my fork down after every bite, which was the most annoying thing ever. But, (laughs) but because I was so used to just shoveling because I got to get to the next thing. I got to get to the next thing and, and not being distracted. Like you taught me that not being distracted when I eat and really paying attention to how it feels in my mouth and it's going down my body and, um, and being mindful of like, why, why do I want to snack right now? Is it because I'm bored? Is it because, and I pass it on to my kids. Like I have snackers. And before they get a snack, I say, what's the reason you want a snack right now? Are you listen to your stomach? Are you hungry? Are you bored? Do we need to find an activity to do? Um, because I think, you know, we do, we have, we have kids that eat out of boredom. And so mm-hmm. pay attention to that and teach them that mindfulness. And I love Lindsay that you said that weight is never a discussion. Cause I think everyone can relate to that. If you were a nineties kid, I can guarantee that. Yeah. Your mom was on Weight Watchers or your thing was filled with slim fast shakes. Like it was just or low fat. Remember all the low fat snack wells cookies? <laughs> I think it was full of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we know fat is good for you. We need fats. We need healthy fats. But anyway, so I love, I love that that's not a focus in your house. And it's about how, how, how food is fueling our bodies. Cause that's also a discussion that our moms didn't have with us is how is this food fueling our body? And so viewing our body as this machine that needs that fuel. I love that. Okay. So here's the million dollar question, Lindsay. So we see the ads for Thrive Market and like all these fancy things. And that works for some people. But I know like last night I ordered some of that. I don't even know how to say the word. Incorn flour. Icorn. Oh, yeah. Icorn. Icorn. Because I decided I'm going to try to switch our sourdough over to icorn because it's supposed to be better, like break down in your body better. Um, Girl, I spent like $65 on that flour. So, I mean, with inflation here with all the things, I think a lot of times people associate eating healthy to expensive. So to being expensive. So what, what can we do? Yeah. So I think, I mean, in a perfect world, our food would be three things, right? It would be healthy for us. It would be inexpensive and it would also be quick and easy to make. And I've kind of come to terms with the fact that it's almost impossible to get all three. So what two are the priority for you? So if your priorities are health 
and budget, you know, you're watching your expenses, then I think we need to be okay with spending more time and investing that time in just like cooking more of your food from scratch. You know, like you can go and buy your vegetables pre-chopped or you can set aside that extra time to like chop all your vegetables before the meal. Um, so I think just like adjusting your mindset, like, okay, it, it's gonna be more time. Um, and then also looking for other places in your life where you can, you know, take a little bit here, take a little bit there. Like we, like, especially with inflation right now, like as a family of five, we hardly ever eat out. Like it's like less than once a month because when we go and I see that bill for five people eating out, I'm like, this it's is this is what our entire week of groceries. So while those are two different budget categories for us, groceries and dining out, like we're decreasing the dining out budget so that we can facilitate facilitate more money to that to that other bucket. Um, but you know, when you really look at the basics, right, like your fruits and vegetables and proteins and healthy fats and whole grains, like those are on the less expensive side. It's often the fancy stuff, right? Like the almond flour crackers and the, you know, fancy salad dressings. Like I love a good primal kitchen salad dressing, but they're like $9 now. Whereas I can take olive oil and balsamic vinegar and make my own salad dressing at home for a fraction of that cost. So that's definitely one thing we're doing is looking at some of the things that are nice to have that are a little bit fancier and just really trying to simplify more and focus on, you know, okay, if we first, like if we're, if we have a budget and we're first putting our money towards the basics, then, okay, what do we have the little bit of extra, you know, to maybe get the fancy flour for our sourdough, but we're really just having to kind of make some choices about like, what's the priority or what's the priority this month. And we do something different next month. Um, but I will say that I think, um, as a long-term Thrive Market user, I do see the savings there for sure. I try to get all of my clients on Thrive Market, especially if you um, like take advantage of the extra sales that they have and a lot of the freebies that they have. I remember going around with a notebook to all the stores I was shopping at and comparing the prices to Thrive Market and what they had at all the fancy grocery stores. And it definitely is a savings. Um, but I still you know, compare prices when I'm shopping and I'll still look on Amazon for some things. Um, so yeah, does that help at all? Yeah. And I want to add a couple things too. Um, you would be surprised at local farms in your area. So do some research on that. Like we have farms around us that you can buy like a weekly box and it's like a co-op situation. Um, we have another store that's about 40 minutes from my house and they sell bulk, um, fruits and vegetables. And I think it's just being smart with it. So like I could buy a big box of bell peppers and I can chop those up and freeze them really easily. So we have, as a family, we've invested in deep freezers. And yeah. so we do plan a lot that way. Like if I see something on sale, like cranberries at the end of, um, December ish, all the cranberries go on sale. You better believe I buy like 40 bags of cranberries. <laughs> and I, um, and I have, I also invested in, a, um, Costco has those, what are the freezer, freezer bag sealer things? What are those? Yeah. Like the vacuum, vacuum sealer. Yeah. So I will repackage them in that because it will make them last longer. And I freeze cranberries and I use cranberries all year long. I'll throw them in muffins and um, put them in smoothies. And so I'll buy them when they're on sale. And so just become savvy. Like I kind of make it into a game, like what's on sale this week. How can I preserve it? Whether it's, you know, teaching myself how to can it or freeze it. Um, I can't stress that enough. You also could go in on friends. So if they go in, on, go in on things with friends. So if there's that 
Um, like my friend the other day, she got two big crates of avocados for like $23. And so she had a bunch of us come over and get all these avocados. You know, it takes a little bit of time, but you can freeze that. You can freeze them into little individual things that you can defrost and put on your eggs, you know? So you can get really savvy when it comes to that. Um, And that's where like the time thing comes in, right? Where if you're like, okay, I'm willing to invest a little bit of time into preparing these things and freezing them, right? It takes a little bit more time to be smart about shopping seasonally, right? Seasonally is always the least expensive way to go with produce, but you have to put in the time to meal plan. So you've got the recipes that are appropriate for what's with the season. So I think when we come to terms with that, like, okay, I, I, I'm willing to invest the time to save the money. Then you see the opportunities to save the money. Yeah. And I feel like for me, my meal prepping time, like I do the same thing. I'll buy the big bag of carrots from Costco and then I will take, you know, 30 minutes to grate them all and then chop them into little sticks. Um, cause it does, it saves us money that way, but I'll just listen to an audiobook while I do it. It's like my escape. It's very blissful. It's like, instead of a bath, I chop carrots. But um, the other thing I wanted to add to y'all is um, I love the Debbie Meyer green bags. I don't know if you know about those, Lindsay, but they're the green bags. I don't even know the science behind them. They keep some sort of something out where it makes your lettuce like last longer. So I have green bags that I will, um, and I'll put the link in the show notes, but I'll, you know, take that bag of lettuce and I'll put it into my green bag and I'll get a week longer out of them. So I'm not wasting food. I also just recently learned that hack where you take your strawberries or your blueberries and you put them in a mason jar and you get like a mm-hmm. week of them. So just thinking about how can I make sure the food isn't spoiling? Yeah. And then I think the other thing too, Lindsay, is like, I'll give myself pantry challenges. So there's some staples every week that I have to buy like fresh fruit or fresh vegetables, but sometimes I'll take a week and be like, okay, what's in my pantry that I need to move? Like, cause we have stuff in here. And so I've got chickpea pasta. I've got all sorts of different things. And so I'll just get creative with my meals so that I'm moving those things. Cause I think we do waste a lot as Americans. Yeah. Yeah. And meal planning in general. I mean, that's kind of the way I teach meal planning is the first step is take inventory of what you already have that you can use. So meal planning in general is such a big money saver because then you're only shopping for what you need. And I have a friend who inspires me so much. I'm not, I don't think I can quite pull this off with a family of five quite yet, but she only shops every two weeks. And so they do fresh produce the first week and frozen produce the second week. And they really only go to the grocery store twice a month, which is a huge money saver because then you're really dialing in. Like you're only buying what you need because your refrigerator only holds so much. So it's really like just the essentials that are in there. And then the other thing I was going to say too, is, um, you know, get savvy, like at our co-op, a lot of the teachers get paid in eggs. Like, like if you have a skill, like if you teach piano lessons and you're teaching someone that has a farm, say, Hey, can we work it out to where I get, you know, a cut of your cow or something? Like, I don't, I wish bartering would make a comeback in America because so many people, I mean, even Lindsay, like your coaching skills, you could find someone that has a cow and say, Hey, I'll nutritional coach you. Can you give me half of a cow? (laughs) You could totally do that. Um, But that does lead me to, if you are financially able to, one of the best financial moves you can do is to try to purchase like half a cow. So we purchase probably, we go through half a cow once a year and, um, and it's exceptional meat. It's better than you'll get at a grocery store. And um, I think we save a lot of money and it gives us access to a lot of different cuts. Same with like our chickens that we raise for meat. We have our own eggs. Um, so you can even like, I have a friend that every Christmas, instead of her, her parents buying the family, like a big gift, they buy them half a cow. And I'm like, how brilliant is that? Like, give me those parents. Yeah, that is so smart. But, um, you could do things like that. So just be savvy about it. 
Okay. Any other things on budget that you thought of before we move on? I think that that, I think that's awesome. And the, what you mentioned too, about the deep freezers, like we have two freezers that we've gotten off of Craigslist and I freeze everything that is about to go bad. Like any fruit winds up frozen to go into a smoothie, any veggies, like all those two. I'm like, I'll, I'll throw that in a smoothie. No one will ever know. So having those freezer options makes it so that you can, you can freeze anything and the waste really goes down. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Okay. So, um, let's talk about picky eaters. Let's talk about my daughter, Reagan, (laughs) who only wants to eat Annie's mac and cheese three times a day. (laughs) So she does not, let me tell you what she does not like. She does not like lettuce. She does not like chicken. Um, she does not like broccoli. She does not like potatoes. This I'm telling you, this girl only likes Annie's mac and cheese. That's all she likes. <laughs> so what do I do? <laughs> um, the first thing that I always focus on is food quality. So instead of thinking about the things they don't like, it's what are the things that they do like? So I'm and... doing it with Annie's, right? And it's not craft. <laughs> yeah, it's better. It's better. <laughs> Um, my oldest, cause my oldest, like I really started making big health shifts after my oldest was born. So he was growing up on like foods that my, my younger two, I mean, a lot of people will say like, your kids have always been healthy. I'm like, no, I had to go through that tough transition period with a very picky toddler who would only eat chicken nuggets. So I can definitely sympathize with that. And one of the things that we did was try to really focus in on the good quality things he would eat. And I came to peace with if the, if what we're resorting to is he's having the exact same thing for dinner every single night, but it is a grass fed burger patty and rice pasta and carrot sticks. I'm okay with the redundancy of that because I know it's good quality. And then slowly over time, just trying to work more things in. And I started with a lot of just exposure where there wasn't the pressure to eat it, but they were just seeing it and seeing it out and seeing me eat it because I think, and I don't, I know this isn't your situation, but like if a kid has never seen a Brussels sprout before and all of a sudden it's on their plate and they're being expected to eat it, of course they're going to, you know, be picky and feel resistance towards that. So I think just a lot of exposure, getting your kids involved, even in the preparation process, if they don't eat it, if they're touching things, I mean, they're just eventually, they're going to be curious about what it tastes like if they've been part of the process at some point. And seeing my 15 year old now who will eat anything, I'm glad that I didn't like overly stress about it and just made it about like having it in the house. And it wasn't like, oh, you will not eat you know, salmon. So therefore you can go have lucky charms for dinner. It was like, okay, well, I'm willing to make some things that you like, but we're also going to have some things on the table that might be new to you or things that you don't like. Like you're not going to leave this table hungry, but we're also not going to concede and let you just go have lucky charms for dinner because like, that's, that's not the way that we're actually going to get to the end result that we want. Um, So I always do like a little bit of tough love coaching with my clients because I've had moms come to me and they're like, the only thing they will eat for breakfast is Pop-Tarts. I'm like, is your kid going to the store and buying (laughs) Pop-Tarts? Someone is buying them and bringing them into the home. So I think that as moms and you know your kids and you also, I think homeschool moms are so in tune with their kids and they kind of know the difference between like a true aversion to a texture where your kid is going to throw up versus 
something they don't love, but they'll eat it if they're hungry enough, right? Like when I, when my kids hit the witching hour, I put out a plate of raw vegetables on the table and it's shocking how they will sit there and dip carrots in Primal Kitchen Ranch and just mow down a whole tray of vegetables when they're starving versus if they had a snack at four o'clock and they get to that time, they're like, ah, like I'm going to be a little more picky and I'd rather not because they're not like truly hungry. So we try to just have a lot of things out. We try things um, that are different, right? Like carrots can be eaten raw. They can be eaten roasted. They can be eaten steamed and then mashed. So we try to just keep it fun and try like different cooking methods of different things. We kind of joke that you're not allowed to say that you don't like something until you've tried it at least 10 times. So they say like, well, I don't like this yet, you know, because they're like, I haven't tried it 10 times. But right now, mom, I'm telling you, I've tried it six times and I don't like it yet. And if they truly try something 10 times, like my oldest just does not like zucchini and he'll eat 10 other green vegetables. So I'm fine with that. And sometimes zucchini is on the table and he can kind of pick around it and he'll have a couple bites just to, you know, to not be completely wasteful. But I know I'm like, it's okay that you don't like zucchini. Like you're not going to like everything. Um, so does that help at all? Yeah, I think that's excellent. I love that. Okay, so I think what I'll do next month, is it's um, St. Patrick's Day. So I'm going to puree okra. I'm going to tell her it's green mac and cheese, special edition green mac and cheese. And I'll put some protein powder in it. I'll let you know how it goes. But um, I did love, Lindsay, how you said the tough love. Like you are the parent. That stuff is coming into your home. Your kids aren't bringing that into the home. And I think people need to hear that. I need to hear that. Um, like I have a son who loves peanut butter pretzels and it's not the best. It's not the best. Um, there's better, there's better things we could have. There's better things we could have. So, so let's talk about, I feel like gut health has become kind of a buzzword. So what do you recommend for gut health? There's so many probiotics, there's kombucha, there's, you know, the homemade yogurt, like tell me a little bit about gut health and what we should be doing with our kids. Yeah. Gut health is so important because so much of our immune system resides in our gut. And then also behaviorally, there's a really strong gut brain connection, right? Which we see, like, if you've ever been nervous about giving a speech, right? And you felt your stomach get upset. Like we know that our thoughts impact our gut. We know that our gut impacts our brain. So I think just understanding the importance of it, that it's all, like, it's about our kids' immune system, but it also like cultivating good gut health for them is going to benefit every area of their life. And I look at gut health as, you know, what's going on inside of their, like, you know, the gut that we would look at, but then also like understanding that the microbiome is all over our entire body. So like we impact our gut health with hand sanitizer that we put on, right. That ruins the microbiome on your skin by overly, you know, sanitizing our homes and spraying chemicals that kill everything in our homes. Um, and then of course the food that we eat and the input of those health, that healthy bacteria that we're eating with probiotics. And then also what we're feeding those probiotics with prebiotic foods, which comes from a lot of different fiber, like from fruits and vegetables. So we can't just throw probiotics in. We also need to be kind of cultivating the landscape that probiotics can thrive in. And then also continuing to just like a garden, right? Like continuing to tend to that area so that those probiotics can proliferate. So 
Our gut bacteria really likes diversity. So that's another great conversation we have in our home with our kids that it's okay. Like if you just eat one bite of this, you are making your gut microbiome so happy because your gut loves diversity. So it's not that you have to eat, you know, I know you don't love zucchini, but even if you eat two bites, like that, in addition to the other things that you're eating is going to create more diversity in your gut. So we try to do probiotic rich foods like yogurt and sauerkraut. My kids do take a probiotic. Um, we don't do a lot of kombucha one because I'm super sensitive to caffeine. So any type of like black tea in kombucha, like makes me wired. Um, and also like if you're making kombucha at home, that is so awesome, but it's pretty expensive to store by. Um, like if you're trying to feed your whole family store-bought kombucha. Um, but I sneak sauerkraut in a lot of things. Like if we have a salad, I'll put a little sauerkraut or a little sauerkraut juice in there, like as the dressing. And my kids love tuna salad and I always put sauerkraut in there. Um, but I did not like sauerkraut for a long time as an adult. So this was a really great reminder for me that you really can train your taste buds because I used to have to plug my nose and eat the sauerkraut and then chase it with a chocolate covered coffee bean to like get the taste out. <laughs> and now I can go and just eat a forkful of it out of the fridge. Like that's kind of part of my nightly routine as I'm making dinner. I just, we get like the big wild brine from Costco and I just take a forkful and that's, you know, like my, my dose of probiotics for the day. But so I think just making sure that you're getting a wide variety of fruits and vegetables in your kid's diet, um, that they're eating some type of probiotic food, whether that is kombucha or sauerkraut or yogurt, or, you know, something like miso, something that's got that fermentation. And then, I mean, we could have a whole conversation about like antibiotics and over sanitizing and making sure that your kids are getting in the dirt, that they're getting exposed to good uh, bacteria that we're not over over sanitizing their environment and killing off the microbiome that's on their skin. And mamas that are listening, I just want to encourage you. And Lindsay and I could do a whole other episode on this. And I know we're, we're on the same page, but you know, if your kids are having behavioral issues uh, and you know, you go to the doctor and the first thing they're going to do is, you know, put them on some kind of meds. And, and I'm not saying, I know that there's a time and a place for medication, but I think so many cases come back to gut health that's undiagnosed and it's gut health. It's um, what dyes are they consuming? You know, red dye is a real thing, y'all. Like, look at the foods that have the red dye in it and the blue dye and the. There's just, and again, that's it's illegal in Europe, in most countries in Europe, but we have it here in the United States. And so, I want to encourage you before you settle for a diagnosis, do a month experience experiment and change some of the foods. Really dig into how can I better their gut health. And I think you'd be really surprised at at some of the changes that you see because it does come to that the anxiety, the depression that is being linked. Now we know that that comes from our gut health and how our microbiome is. And so I know this can be really big words, if, especially if you don't have the background that Lindsay does. Um, but you can go on YouTube and, and get your, um, microbiome <laughs> doctorate <laughs> and do some research. And, um, um, Dr. Dr. Daniel Amen is a really great resource for kids and gut health and all those things that you just okay, mentioned. Perfect. I'll put that in the show notes too, for y'all, but yeah, just do your research. Um, okay, Lindsay, I know we're coming close on time. So I have just a couple more questions. All right. Let's talk about my husband. Wonderful man. I love him. Um, his idea of a good time is taking two pieces of butter bread and having what's called an air sandwich. This man is a carb, 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 carb. Um, 
and I'm always on him about protein. And, and he's one of those guys where I'm like, he's so, he is, he's healthy. And I'm like, how are you healthy with how you eat? So how do we get these men on board that just want to have ice cream and air sandwiches all day? <laughs> so, okay. This answer might surprise you because I've had, I've worked with so many older adults who had this experience in their, you know, thirties, forties, and fifties of thinking that they were fine. And then they get to their 50s, 60s and wind up with like a diabetes diagnosis. And they are thin people that you would never think that that you would not look at that person and think that that's an issue. So something I've been encouraging my clients to do is strap on a continuous glucose monitor. I have one on right now. And like my husband and I were talking about this the other day. And I was like, we're going to order one for you so that we can actually see what your glucose is doing. Because if it's as great as you think it is, then we'll actually be able to see it. We'll have evidence of that. And you'll know that the way you're eating is working for you. And I have not found anything else that has driven behavior so strongly because with, for people who aren't familiar, a CGM is taking your, is tracking your blood sugar 24 hours a day. So one of the things, so first so, of all, for you guys that are, that can't see Lindsay, she, it almost looks like one of those like diabetes patch things. I don't know. What yes. So where yes. do we, where do we find this? How much is it? So this one that I'm wearing is from a company called Very. It's a V-E-R-I. Anyone can buy one. I'll give you, I have a 20% off code I can give you that you can put in the show notes. Um, what I have loved about this company is that Yes, I can take my clients who want like me to see their dashboard and coach them specifically on their blood sugar, but also anyone can go and buy one. And the app is very user-friendly where you don't have to have a degree in nutrition in order to understand it and get really good feedback from it. And it will, um, you'll, you know, you'll input your meals like this morning. I, you know, I put in what I had for breakfast and the time. And then two hours later, it gives you a score based off of what your glucose, your blood sugar does following that meal. So I mean, so simple to be able to look through and see, oh, cool. These are the meals that were nines and tens for me. These were the best scoring. These are the best for my blood sugar versus, okay, the lunch I had the other day scored like a six or a seven. And I was like, okay, that, that wasn't a great. And I felt that, right? Like I kind of wanted to take a nap after lunch that day. I could feel that my blood sugar spiked and then had a crash. So I think it's super user-friendly and I haven't found anything that really drives behavior because there's something about like the gamification of it where you get a daily score and you're like, oh, what are the things that increase my score? Like how many steps I get in a day, getting at least seven hours of sleep. Like these are the things that are like so good for our health. But I mean, we're like human nature. We're excited when someone gives us a gold star. So I have loved the continuous glucose monitors because they really do like education is so important, but I mean, so many of us know things that we should or should not be doing and we do them anyways. So we have to look at, okay, what's, what's driving us to do the things that we know we shouldn't be doing or, you know, vice versa. And how do we create an environment where we want to make those choices that are better for our health? And we're excited about that. And we're getting some type of a reward when I get like, a, you know, a good score for my day, like, yes, it was good for my health, but I'm also like emotionally excited about that too. So that's like, you know, kind of a, a newer, like biohacking tool that you can use. Um, and then in our house too, like 
we just have a lot of conversations about like, it's not that you're not going to have those things or you can't have those things, but what else can we put on your plate? So it's not just that, like, are you willing to have, you know, some broccoli and a piece of chicken too, and then have that air sandwich so that there's a little bit more balance. That's why I bought the the icorn flour or whatever it's called. I can't even say the word right, but I'm like, you're going to have this bread. Well, you can have this air sandwich. I love that though. So, okay. Happy anniversary, honey. I got you a glucose. <laughs> that's what we'll do. Okay. I'll let you know how it goes. But I, I do think though, it's that's, I think that would work for him because it would be kind of a wake up call to yeah. going on with your body. Okay. And it's sort of like, there are people, they call it what the, the skinny fat where like people are thin and they look fat, but on the inside, it's just, it's not a good situation and it does catch up to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk about the busy mamas, which I know you are because your kids are in sports. And so what do we do when we realize, oh my gosh, it's noon, it's lunchtime. We're not near home. I didn't pack snacks. Can fast food be an option? Yes. And that's um, because I was seeing this with my clients, even when we have the best of intentions and we try to meal plan, there's just, you know, there's life happens. And I was seeing that my clients were feeling like a failure when life happened and they were needing to get something on the go. And I was like, you're not a failure for needing the convenience option. We just need to teach you how to be able to think on your feet. So that's not like, oh, well, I've just got to get the double double with fries because you know, that's what we're like. I've, I failed anyways, so I'm, that might as well just keep compounding. Um, so I look at eating out through that same lens of, okay, how am I making sure that there is protein, healthy fats, and fiber on this plate? So I'm always seeking out, okay, we're making sure that there's a protein option. And then taking into consideration, like your kind of your unique carb tolerance and like, do we need the bun and the fries or can we just choose the fries and like get that burger lettuce wrapped? Um, so we do like when we eat out, we'll do, you know, like Chick-fil-A and get the grilled nuggets and salads and fries. We'll do like, we love options like Chipotle or Cadoba or Costa Vida where you can choose, you know, you can get beans and chicken and guacamole and lettuce. And like, we always do those bowls and the kids can get rice and beans. Um, so I still, I look at eating out just through that same, like, you know, you're going to get some of the seed oils. You're not going to be hundred percent in control of the quality, but that's part of real life. So how can we make the best decision with what we've got? Um, and then I think I told you earlier that I created a healthy fast food guide that has I think 30 of the most popular fast food restaurants and my top recommendations for like how to order at those specific places. And then also some of the reasoning behind it so that if you don't have, you know, you don't have that specific burger place in your town, but you have something similar, you understand the reasoning behind the recommendations that I would make. I love that. And I love that you said we didn't have to have the new cauliflower Chick-fil-A. Have you seen that? No, we are not eating that. (laughs) I don't know. That's not going to be around very, very long. I don't think, but I don't see that lasting. (laughs) Okay. So, um, Lindsay, do you have any final encouragement for moms? I know food can be really overwhelming when you're trying to make a change for the first time and you're used to something for so, you know, for so long, it's hard to make a change. So any, any encouragement that you would give our mamas? Yeah. I think the last thing I would say was, you know, make sure with yourself and within your home that you're just prioritizing meals over like that minimizes snacks and grazing, which just leads to making fewer decisions, right? If you can put your energy into good meals, then you're not having to think I have to plan seven healthy things to eat today, right? So I think that's a good allocation of energy. And then I always encourage my clients to start with the first third of their day. 
So if in that first third of your day, you're able to get hydrated, you start your day off with a meal that has protein and healthy fats and fiber, and you set yourself up for success, no matter what happens with the rest of the day, you have gotten yourself on a good trajectory. It is hard to like start the day with donuts and then get back on track as the day goes. So I really like encourage my clients to protect the first third of their day and give that their best effort because it's amazing just the positive trickle down effect even when life happens and you know things are outside of your control. And then just to um you know just I think sometimes we forget how big of an impact food has on the way that we feel and how like being able to show up at your best capacity with energy for your family as a homeschool mom is such a gift. And it's worth the little bit of planning and the preparation. Like if you can put just a little thought and attention and care into how you're fueling yourself, then you see that trickle down effect in the way that you're able to show up and parent your children and teach your children. And it's so worth it. It's not, you know, selfish to put that attention and care into fueling yourself because you're so much better to show up for everyone that you're taking care of. I love that. So you guys, I'm going to have Lindsay share with you where you can find her, but I just want to personally, I want to personally vet her because I have worked with Lindsay and I think my biggest takeaways were she just made me think new thoughts. Um, there's no shaming. There were absolutely days that I messed up and she wasn't like, you're going to, I can't help you. Like it was never like that. It was just shifting my thoughts and, you know, how can we do this differently? How can we do this better? Have you thought of doing this? Um, so it's such a very loving, but firm approach at the same time, which I appreciate. And she knows her stuff. You know, we live in a world of, let me slap a coach, coach on my Facebook profile. And all of a sudden I'm a professional and, um, Lindsay truly is like, she knows her stuff. And I love that she knows the science behind it and how our bodies work. And so I can't stress enough that I would, I would recommend her every day of my life. I would recommend you. So Lindsay, can you tell us some of the programs that you offer and where we can find you? Yeah, thank you so much. That endorsement means a lot to me. Um, my website is lindsaylivswell.com and that's Lindsay with an A-Y. And Instagram is the main social media that I hang out on. And that's lindsay.lives.well. And again, that's Lindsay with an A-Y. Um, and all of the information is on both my website and my Instagram page. Um, I make seasonal meal plans for busy moms and families. So again, I know we talked about like budget saving and that's one of the reasons why I make new ones seasonally so that um, they are a good money saving option because you're eating fruits and vegetables that are actually in season. So I have those on my website and on my Instagram, the healthy food, fast food guide that we talked about before and then information about one-on-one -on -one and group coaching as well. Awesome. Well, we're definitely going to have you back, Lindsay, because now I want to talk about me. <laughs> My body. Let's do so it. Back. We'll do a we'll do a mama episode. I'm sure all my friends will message me with questions. Ask you to so love you back off. Thank you for your time today, friend. It was such a great conversation. I appreciate you. Bye.